All right, it's Podcast Wednesday, and you are listening to the VBAC Link Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Today we have episode number 89, and we have our friend Brittany on the line. And she's from New Jersey. She actually lives on base with her husband. We were just talking about this, and Julie actually mentioned she wanted to share a story. Do you want to share something? Oh, so, well, yes, I was... Now you caught me kind of kind of <laughs> off guard. So I was just gonna kind <laughs> Go of like share it. when is my turn, but now she's giving my turn right away. Well, we just found out Brittany's um, husband's in the Air Force, and we honor and respect that, and we are so grateful for all the service members in our country, and especially here at the VBAC Link. I'm prior service. If you did not know that, you know it now. I was in the Army for almost five years, and service members have this like little banter with the different service members so like army obviously is the best and then there's the the chair force so the air force husband is in there and then the marines are just like the grunts you know like they're just mainly the muzzles and then the navy well i probably won't even tell how we refer to the navy as but i think it's funny because like every service has their little um associations for the other services because every service thinks you know that they're the best one it's kind of fun to like banter and joke around with um i have a couple clients whose husbands are ex-marines and my brother-in-law actually he just got married this past weekend in missouri i was out in missouri for a couple days Mm -hmm. and um his wife is a captain in the army and he was in the army and he was an infantryman a couple of years ago and he's out now. But I would joke with him even because I was just a computer geek. You know, I did all the like communication stuff and networking things. And so we would give each other a hard time about that. But now he's joined the National Guard. Oh, cool. And so I got to tell him tell a funny story about that because I like to give him a hard time that the National Guard is just like pretend army. It's like mm. the, they just get to go play play war two weeks a year and. One weekend a month, and and then so I um, was filling out my first graders getting to know you paperwork for his first grade. You know, his first day of school, they sent home a bunch of paperwork to like get to know you a little bit better. And so I took a uh, <laughs> it was like favorite color. What's your family members? Um, what are your what um what are your favorite? I don't know, just a bunch of random things. You know, like little cutesy kindergarten or first grade things in elementary school. And so I took a picture of it and I sent it to my brother-in-law. And I said, hey, Kevin, your recruiter told me to have you fill this paper out and take it with you when you go to your first day of training for the guard. And it was just really funny because, (laughs) you know, it's like kindergarten. Mm. Nobody's laughing I don't get it. Nobody gets it. (laughs) You know, it's like National Guard is just pretend. Oh, my goodness gracious. Hopefully somebody that's listening to this right now is laughing their butts off because it was hilarious. Oh, jeez. It's just like, you know, like the little pretend ones. It's like the very beginning basic stuff. And so they have to take their kindergarten, getting to know you for gotcha, me. It's kind of gotcha. cutesy. And so I was like, why what? am I having to explain this? <laughs> my goodness. I don't know. I'm shaking my head right now. <laughs> I'm sure someone is laughing. Brady, are you laughing? All right. Well, Air I'm Force laughing. is kind of like yes, the same I'm laughing. Level. She's <laughs> laughing. <laughs> it's so true. I, I, know, I, I totally know what you're saying because it's totally at my... Yeah, my husband would find that hilarious. <laughs> oh man, you should tell you should tell him that story, and then he's gonna laugh. And then, and then when your episode goes live, come comment on the post on our Instagram page that your husband laughed at my joke, and then everyone <laughs> will know that it was funny. Uh, yeah, everybody will be like that. That was a good one. 
I okay, love it. Yeah. Well, we'll get back into her yes. episode. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, she has a really awesome story. And her labor was insanely long. Kind of one of the highlights, I think, of her story is that her labor was 54 hours long. And she went all natural medicated and had a nine pounder so we're so excited to get into your story Brittany but of course we always have a review of the week and I want to turn the time back over to Julie to do that before we dive right in speaking of review of the week before we started recording Megan called this review of the week insanely long <laughs> it is it long is. it's a long one it's but a long you know one. what I think you've heard a little bit before this we kind of make fun of Megan because Megan's not the best at reading I can't and read at and speak time. at the same time. So I always give myself the long reviews on purpose. Yes, thank goodness. I'm, and sometimes I'm not the best at it either, but I, I can say Way that. Way better that than is, me. Yeah, I have <laughs> that strength over Megan. That's one of my strengths that Megan does not have. Nope. And so I'm going to read this really long review, but it's really, really good. And it made my heart really happy today. So um, this is actually from Facebook. And it's from Jessica C. And... I'm going to tell you what she says as soon as I make the font big enough so I can read it because I have old lady eyes now. Okay, here we go. Jessica C. on Facebook, and she says, After delivering my first via cesarean, I had felt pretty downtrodden because I, like many others, had heard once a cesarean, always a cesarean. Someone recommended this podcast to a different mom in one of my mom groups, and I was instantly hooked. I started listening around the time the podcast launched, and I eagerly awaited every new Aww. episode, even though I wasn't pregnant yet. After everything I'd learned, I knew exactly what I needed to look for to find a supportive provider, as well as an awesome doula, what, what, and even switch from some highly recommended midwife practices when they made me feel like they didn't believe in my chances. Well, I'm proud to say that I just delivered my second baby this past Friday via successful VBAC. I honestly believe that if it wasn't for the work these ladies have put into this platform, my chances would have been much lower due to a lack of resources and education. Aww. Thank you so much, Megan and Julie. I consider you both my honorary doulas. That's so sweet. I love that review. That makes me so happy. You know, I wanted to just point one little thing out, and then um, and then we're going to let Brittany share her story. But I really love when people find us because somebody shared us in a mom group. Like, that just makes me really happy because when you're sharing, like, a little link to the VBAC link or our podcast or something like that, you never know who's going to see it and, mm -hmm. and whose lives are going to change. So I don't know who tagged us in that group, but I do know that Jessica C. It made a big impact on her life by you sharing that in a mom group. And so we want to send a special thank you to everyone who's ever tagged us in a mom group or sent someone our way because you're, you are helping us change the VBAC world one woman at a time. And that's what mm -hmm. we're trying to do. Yes. Well, thank you, Jessica. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link podcast with Julie Francom and Megan Heaton. VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. 
All right, so let's get into this awesome story. She had a 54-hour labor, so I'm sure it's a good long one yes. because that's a long <laughs> labor. And, um, of course, every story that is a VBAC starts with a C-section. So, Brittany, would it be okay if we turn the time over to you and, and have you share your stories? Yes, I would love that. So just to tell on um, what she was saying, I do know that when I did some research for VBACs, I ended up joining a Facebook group, and I ended up sharing the VBAC link on that also because yeah. it's crazy how many women don't... I mean, what's funny is how I found you guys is I just kind of searched VBAC on podcasts, and it kind of came up, yeah. but I'm really glad that I found it because, you know, it does, it reaches out, even though I found it a lot later in, like whenever I was like already, I think it was just a few weeks before I ended up actually delivering. It really made a huge difference. And I really um, enjoyed listening to like all the stories and just, and some of the similarities too, mm-hmm. um, as you'll see, cause I'll get into it. So, so I wanted to start with my first pregnancy. I found out I was pregnant at four weeks and I uh, scheduled a, an appointment with my gynecologist to do a, well, I just got, I called them to tell them I was pregnant and they scheduled me for an ultrasound because that was the way the practice worked. And so I was going, she was like an OB too. So I went in for my ultrasound appointment and whenever the tech was like, you know, doing the scan over my stomach, my husband and my sister were there, which my sister is a nurse at that hospital, actually kind of funny, but the ultrasound tech, like, kind of got weird, and, like, pretty much, like, when she was scanning over my stomach, like, I could tell, like, there was, like, a, what looked like a sack, but there didn't really look like there was anything in there, mm-hmm. and it really, like, threw me off, and it was really, like, quiet, and just not what I would have expected for an ultrasound, like, you expect to go in, and everything's, like, happy, and... So it was really weird, and, you know, ultrasound techs can't really discuss anything with you, so it was kind of like she just was basically just stopped the ultrasound, and then she said that she was going to, like, get the doctor, like, have us move into the room or something. I don't really remember a whole lot, but I just, like, looked at my sister who, like, was looking at me, and she was, like, kind of, like, had a sad face, and I was like this isn't good news, is it? And, like, I got really upset. I didn't even know what was going on yet. So we moved over to the exam room, and my doctor came in, and she basically, it was, like, so weird because it was, she just acted like it was so casual, which I know miscarriages are, like, pretty, they are pretty common, but it was really, like, disheartening and kind of, like, she came in and she's a nice person, but it was very cold <laughs> and it was kind of like, yeah, you miscarried and, and I hadn't had any miscarriage symptoms. Like I hadn't had any cramping or bleeding. And so it just like, I mean, really threw me off because I was expecting to like, like this was supposed to be like a really happy day. In fact, my husband, we hadn't told really anybody and he had just like told his parents before we went into the appointment that I was pregnant and, and, you know, as hard as I took it, which it was really hard, my husband, I mean, like, I, he's such a strong person, and, like, it really, really, like, bothered him, like, tore him up, like, and I was, like, really upset about it, too, but I was just, like, you know, God's got a plan, and, like, it, it's going to be okay, and, like, you know, I mean, 
it took a long time, but I knew like having another baby would like bring a lot of healing to it. Mm -hmm. And so about three weeks after that is when I actually miscarried because like I was still like, it was so weird. Like I didn't have any symptoms. And so, which it was kind of a relief once it did happen because I was still like holding out hope that, you know, I wasn't going to miscarry. I kind of didn't want to believe the doctor. But I kind of looked up some symptoms and stuff because they really didn't tell me a whole lot about, like, why it happened or anything like that. And basically, it was kind of like, from what I could research and everything, it was like the gestational sac had formed, but the embryo hadn't ever, like, developed or stopped developing. So that was why, like, there wasn't, like, I couldn't see anything. And so it was, that one, that was really hard. And it took me a long time to actually, like, get over that as far as like my hcg levels were really high and for some reason like they wouldn't come back down and so like i was going in for like blood work and they were like monitoring my levels and finally i actually just stopped going in because they were like coming down and this is like months after and i had my first cycle in march and then i had another cycle in april and then I had taken some pregnancy tests in May because I didn't, after that, I hadn't, like, I hadn't had another period yet, which my cycles were kind of irregular anyways prior. But that, in June, uh, so, sorry, I had three negative pregnancy, pregnancy tests in May. And then in June, I had, I finally, like, I was having symptoms, like I felt like I was pregnant, like I was really bloated, and I took a pregnancy test, and it was positive. It was so weird, because I, like, had all these negative pregnancy tests, and I was so frustrated, but, like, I still wasn't having a cycle, and then, finally, I was pregnant again, and it was just an up-and-down roller coaster. Mm. So, that was when I got pregnant with Timothy. So, I called, I was, I was still with the same OB at the time, because she was my you know, my gynecologist. And so I called, I called and made an appointment and it was the same thing because that practice does the 10 weeks, a 10 week ultrasound to confirm the pregnancy. And with him, I actually did a fetal Doppler before I went in for the appointment and I did find the heartbeat, which I was pretty sure. And I never, that never happened with the first one. And so I felt a lot better because a lot more confident that I was like actually like like this was going to be a better appointment because me and my husband were pretty hesitant to go in because you know you kind of at the back of your mind you're just you know you're kind of scared and you know you just really want this to be like a good thing and he definitely you know was really nervous about it too so I went in for my appointment and they confirmed that you know, I was pregnant. And so that was good. We were, we were on the right track. And then I kind of just stayed with her because I really didn't know, like, to really look around for any other providers. Like, I didn't really think about it. I just thought that that's what most people do was just to go in to, like, whoever they're seeing to continue to go to the same people. And so, when I went in for, like, my first couple appointments, I noticed that they were really short, and it was very, like, she didn't really explain 
I don't know. I guess I, I looked at some baby apps and stuff, and I thought, like, you know, she would have been more informative. Like, this is what's going to happen. And, like, it was my first pregnancy. Like, it was my first baby. And so I, you know, didn't really know what to expect or anything like that. And I was reading stuff, but I just thought your doctor would be more, like, informative. Like, And so it was just, it was really weird. And I kind of got bad vibes to begin with. But I just kind of stuck with her because... I thought that's what you did, and so, mm-hmm. um, it's just, it's weird, it's weird thinking back about it, like, that I didn't, I don't know, I didn't look around, so, and what's funny is, I also, like, I don't know, I kind of, like, thought it would be cool, I really wanted to birth at home, but I just didn't think that was a possibility, <laughs> and I didn't think, like, that people did that still, you know, like, well, I think that yeah. it's so, yeah, everybody goes to the hospital nowadays, so it's, like, not everybody, obviously. There's a lot of people that don't. But at the time, I thought that that's what people did was they went to the hospital, have a baby. Right. And now I know differently. But Well, and a lot of people it's think weird. it's my first baby. We don't know how it's going to go. So we'll just we'll deliver at the hospital and see how it goes. You know, and then we'll maybe try a home birth. But the crazy thing is, is every birth yeah. is so different. It is. And so and I sometimes don't understand that, like in my head, because I'm like, you never know how every birth's going to go, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. And I think you do a lot of like whatever the people around you did. So it was yep. like my mom birthed in a hospital and my sister's Same. and my sister birthed in a hospital and yeah. she was a nurse. So she's like really big on like pro hospital stuff. Which, yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because it's like, even with her being a nurse and, you know, I love my sister to death, but it's like, I am so, like, I don't like going to the doctor. And this was even mm-hmm. before. I mean, I just had, I didn't, I really, yeah, I mean, I did not want, I really wanted to just have, I wanted, like, to have an unassisted birth at home. Like, I kind of joked mm-hmm. around my husband with that. But I was really, like, I just want to do everything natural. And I was, like, because I did watch my sister go through two births. And I just, I didn't really care for that hospital environment. Like when I, cause I was actually there for her in the room when she was having her babies. And I just didn't, you know, I didn't care for all the, the nurse, like not the nurses specifically, but just like the environment, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. anyways, but so I stayed with her and um, my third, so my third trimester came around. And I was feeling great. I was, like, still, like, swimming and walking. I felt really good. It was my favorite trimester. It was, like, my favorite. I loved that that stage of pregnancy. <laughs> Ultimately, what it was is that I had a really easy pregnancy for the most part because I didn't have any real, I didn't, yeah, I didn't have any complications. And so everything was good. It was, like, coming up to, I think I was about four weeks out from my due date, and I kind of got talking with my doctor, and I realized, because, again, I was pretty naive. I did study and stuff. I did, like, look, like, I felt like I really looked into a lot of things, but it was, like, not the right things. Like, I educated myself, but it was, like, not with the right material, if that makes sense. Like, everything was just, I don't know. I didn't have enough out there. So whenever, like, she she was basically telling me, something about like the on-call doctor or something. And I, at that point it was like, I realized I was like, Oh my gosh. I was like, you mean that you're not going to come if 
I'm in labor and you're like not at work, like, or on call. Like, I didn't know that's how it worked. Like, I thought that as long as she wasn't on vacation or something, that, you know, if I went to labor, like, she would come and deliver my baby. Like, I didn't realize that, like, it was like a practice of doctors. And I thought that was weird that, like, she didn't explain that to me, like, prior to before, like, I guess I was, like, four weeks due, you know, like, I didn't, I don't know, it was just really weird that, like, she hadn't mentioned anything about that, and so I kind of, like, started thinking about it, and I was like, I don't think this, I don't think she's going to be here for my, I started, like, thinking, I don't even think she's going to be the one that delivered me, like, Mm -hmm. that is going to be there, like, I think it's just going to be some random person that I don't even know, which actually is funny, because that does happen, so. It does, (laughs) happens all the time. Yeah. And so I didn't get any uh, cervical checks. And then at my 38-week mark, I saw her, and she pretty much, she told me, I think she was going to call that Wednesday night, but then she was telling me about some other doctor that weekend that was going to be on call. It was a male physician, which I wasn't completely against because I had a male gynecologist before, but I did think it was kind of weird, too, because if you were, like, kind of hesitant about it, it's kind of like, yeah, well, you know, that's, Kind of, I don't know, it was just another thing that was kind of weird. But anyways, because I did switch over from a male to a female for a reason, too. I mean, and it wasn't anything like that. It was just that I just felt, I guess, more comfortable, you know, with a female. And so it was kind of interesting that that was the case. So anyway, but she told me that this guy was like, you know, she was, I don't know, she didn't have very good things to say about it. So Needless to say, of course, because she told me all that information that weekend when I went into labor, and so that was the guy that was on call, which was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. And I don't even actually remember meeting him. If that, I think mm-hmm. I, I barely met him once. It was really weird. So I went in Saturday night. Me and my husband were watching a movie, and we well, we were kind of trying to watch a movie, and then we decided to go to the movies. And I was upstairs, and we went downstairs, and we were going to get ready to go to the movies. And I felt, like, something leaking. And I was like, that's really weird. And I realized that I was like, Daniel, well, I didn't say anything to him. I was like, I went to the bathroom, and I was like, I think my water, I was like, I think my water just broke. And I was like, actually, I'm like 100% just broke because it was a really small leak, but, like, I had um, watched some midwife videos and stuff like that, and they said that, that could happen, and I was like, yeah, I didn't just pee my pants. Like, that was definitely, like, my water leaking. So I called my sister because I'm pretty close to her, <laughs> and so and she's the nurse, so that's what you do in my family. Anytime you have a medical you call your anything, sister. <laughs> you call your sister. So you call the nurse. And so I called her, and I was like, hey, I was like, I think my water just broke. I was like, do you think I can still go to the movies? <laughs> and she's like, no, you need to go to the hospital. <laughs> Which I wish I would have just went to the movies now. Hindsight, like twenty twenty. So, yeah. but I listened to her because you know you trust her. That's just what you do. Yeah, and I trust her. So I I got out of the bathroom and I told my husband, which I knew he was gonna like flip because he's just an anxious person. So I was like, "Hey, my water just broke," or I was like, "My water's my water broke," but I was like, "It's kind of just leaking, really." And so we gathered um, my bag and stuff, and my sister actually. She wanted to be there at the hospital with me, so she actually drove over and picked us up, and she drove us to the hospital because Daniel was supposed to, but that's my husband, sorry. And then he 
basically my sister offered to drive and he was like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> like he did not want to drive, which is probably a good thing. So anyway, so she drove us to the hospital. We got there. We, I think they had me fill out some paperwork. And by this time, I think I had started having contractions, but they were like, they were pretty like light. Like they weren't very strong at all. And I was going to say this, too, because I forgot, but I didn't really have any Braxton Hicks contractions that I could feel, like, throughout my whole pregnancy. Like, I really don't think I had any contractions. Like, I may have, and they were just really light, and I just didn't feel them. But, like, up to this point, like, I really didn't feel much. So, I got there, and my contractions had started, but they were really light. They checked me. I did, they did confirm that I was leaking amniotic fluid. So there was a resident in my room. Um, she was the one that came in. And so after she told me that, it, this is where it all went downhill. She was like, the hospital policy was that I couldn't walk around. Oh, that was another thing. So I checked my report because I really don't remember that much as far as like what they said I was dilated. But I guess I was dilated to a one. So I wasn't very far along. And they didn't note anything else down. So, but they said I couldn't even get up to go to the bathroom like I had to stay in bed like from the time I walked in it was so horrible so so they like wheeled me into the they admitted me and they wheeled me into the room and they put a blood pressure cup on me and then they hooked me up to an IV which I asked the nurse I had already asked my doctor I was like I don't want to be hooked up to an IV so she said that she was just going to run the line and that she would take it out which she was like new to the floor. And so anyways, she never ended up taking it out, which I never asked her to, but it was really one of those things where I kind of read later on that whenever they give you fluids like that, that it can slow down your labor, which kind of made me mad because I feel like the whole reason why I ended up in a C-section partly was because of this slow labor that I was having. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of frustrating, but so I got there, and after about, it was like 4 o'clock in the morning, they checked me, and I was just in bed. Like, they brought me a peanut ball. Um, I asked for an exercise ball, but they wouldn't bring it to me. It was, like, crazy. They were like, no, you can't get out of bed. You can't, like, they just wanted me to sit there in bed and just, like, have a baby. It was so crazy. I was so mad. So I just sat there, and then, like, I tried to take a nap, and then at 4 in the morning, they checked me again. I was at, like, a 3, and then they wanted to start Pitocin then, but I had told them no. Then at 9 o'clock, they checked me again, and I was still at a 3, and they wanted to start Pitocin, and I didn't want them to, but I asked my sister kind of what she thought, and, you know, she's a nurse, so she's kind of, like, on the medical side. She was pretty much like, I would probably start Pitocin, just because they were giving me kind of like this 24-hour window since my mm. water broke, mm -hmm. so which is pretty common even though it's, I mean, not true. But, you know, and that was another thing is like, I mean, because I went to the hospital right away and I did get a, that was my first cervical check whenever I went in. It's kind of like, you know, I mean, it's not a guarantee I would have gotten an infection, but they kind of introduced me to infection by going in that early. So I really, hindsight, I would have just, gone about my business and waited till the contractions got stronger before I went in, especially because my amniotic fluid was clear. And so there really wasn't any reason worry. to like worry yeah. or anything. Mm -hmm. So 
I wish you would have known that, but now I do. So, <laughs> so it doesn't, won't happen again. But, mm-hmm. um, so I went ahead and started the Pitocin. Well, once I started the Pitocin, then another resident had come in and pretty much told me that she thought that my doctor would let me sit on an exercise ball, which I was really excited about, but I was kind of frustrated that they had started the Pitocin already because I wanted to try the exercise ball first, Mm -hmm. but they wouldn't bring me one. Like, I mean, I asked several times and if I, oh man, if I could go back, I would have been like, no, you have to bring me one now. Like, or I'm going to get out of this bed or do jumping jacks or something because it's like, I, I don't know. I didn't see the harm in it. So, and a lot of places will let you walk around with your water broke. So I don't mm-hmm. know why they were so like up in arms about mm-hmm. it. Because they were like scaring me. And that was the thing too, is they were scaring me with like, I think they were talking about prolapse cord, but I can't remember for sure. But because they at one time they had said something about the baby sticking the arm, their arm, like through or something, and so basically they made it sound like the baby was just gonna like get in this weird position. So they started the pitocin, and when they did that, his heart rate went up, and it was at about one eighty, and that happened for about thirty minutes, and then after that they. It went up to 180, and then they came in, and they were like, they made me get off the exercise ball that they had brought me. Like, I'd literally been on it for, like, two minutes. It was crazy. Because it was, like, as soon as they started the Pitocin, like, his heart rate went up. And so they put me back on the bed. They, like, they started, like, freaking me out because they were, like, the baby's heart rate's up. They put oxygen on me. It was, like, it got, this is the part where it got, like, really crazy really fast because... I kind of started, I think I started, like, having an anxiety attack because I was, like, really upset about, like, just I the everything that was going on, and they kept on, like, moving the fetal monitor and just, you know, when people start getting panicky, it kind of upsets you, especially, you know, when you're, like, in the hospital and stuff. So it was just everybody got, like, really, like, hyped up, and they had me on an oxygen mask, and then next thing I know, they're was somebody coming in saying that they were going to have to take me in for an emergency C-section. And I was like, uh, I, and then I started crying and yeah. I was just like really upset. And it was like, no, which is funny. Cause I read back through my report now. And like, they said that they like talked with me about this and that, and maybe they did, but I don't remember any of that. And I could have been just so upset that I didn't, wasn't listening, which is possible because I was really mad at them. I was like hated all of them. I was like, you guys have made this experience like so horrible. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. they gave my husband like his gown and stuff and pretty much just like rushed me back to, I mean, they, yeah. So they took me back, they gave me a spinal and I I don't know, like, why, but it, it. I think it was partly because I was so upset, too. But, I mean, like, I went completely numb, like, everywhere. And I started, like, kind of passing out. And they were trying to keep me awake by, like, asking me questions. And, like, they're like, what's your name? And what's your date of birth? And I'm, like, getting really upset because I'm, like, you guys don't know this. Like, <laughs> and they're, like, and then afterwards I realized that they were probably asking me those things to, like, make me think. Because it was, like, really hard. I mean, I completely, like, and it's really sad because it kind of, like, that lasted for a while. So my husband came in, and I was, like, barely, like, awake. I mean, I was just kind of, like, zoning out. And I was, like, you know, 
I couldn't even be excited that I was, like, going to have a baby soon, like, that they were, like, going to be, like, delivering him because I was so out of it, and I really felt like, I, I mean, this sounds so horrible, but I felt like I was going to die. Like, I mm. thought that I was going to die. And, I mean, I wasn't, like, panicked about it. I was just like, okay, I guess this is the end. <laughs> like, <laughs> bye. <laughs> you know? and it was just, like, really weird and just really traumatic. And so they, I, we didn't know the gender of the baby because we had decided to wait. So whenever the doctor, you know, pulled him out, he was, you know, showed my husband and he was good about that. He was like, it's a boy. And, you know, my husband's face lit up and that's probably the most like that I remember because I was looking at him. And I just remember whenever they told him it was a boy, he was like, so happy. He was really excited. And basically like, that was kind of the end of that. And um, I had just talked to my doctor after that about a VBAC um, when I went to my first checkup. And she kind of, like, laughed at it. Like, hmm. she was um, kind of like, why Like why would I want to do a VBAC? Like, I could just have another C-section. And I'm like, I didn't want the first one. <laughs> I'm like, and I definitely, there's no way I'm doing that again. Like, I was like... No, I mean, I didn't enjoy it the first time. Like, I just didn't want to have kids that way. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, I was really upset. And I knew that, like, you couldn't have, like, multiple surgeries, like, just, like, back to back. And I wanted to have kids close together. And I wanted to have more than, like, I was thinking about having four kids. I still am thinking about having four kids. (laughs) And so it's like, I'm like, I can't have all these surgeries. Like, I'm not going to be able to make it through them. And, like you know, it's just too much. And so it was really like upsetting. And just a quick note. So right before they took me back to my C-section, the nurse that I had, she was really awesome. This was a different nurse because I'd been there and there one had switched over. She did tell me, she had mentioned, I think she's the one that kind of gave me the idea too, because I thought that C-section, like once a C-section, always a C-section. She told me, she was like, I had a VBAC with my second one, and she's like, you can do that, too. And so that was really comforting that she said that because I was really really upset because I was like, if I have a C-section with my first baby, I'm like, I kind of did think that I was going to have to have another, like, I wouldn't have any other options. And so it was nice that she said that because I don't think I had thought of that or heard of it really before. And so that was really that was good. So yeah. anyways, so back to, so after nine months, um, I got pregnant with my second baby and I called around to some places and I called to one midwife place and they basically had told me that it would be like 18 to 24 months before I should try for a VBAC, which that really upset me because I was like, well, I don't want to wait that long in between kids. And so which I wasn't pregnant at the time, but then I had gotten pregnant later. And so I called another place and they did midwives and OBs and they were like, um, you can try to have one. It was like weird. It was like when I called about it at, to ask them about their VBAC success rate, they were like really weird about it and didn't like, I don't know. They were kind of like, well, I mean, we try. And I'm like, oh, I, I just got a bad vibe from that place. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going there. 
it's kind of like what you guys talk about with like tolerant versus like supportive. Yeah, I yeah. definitely feel like they were more tolerant of feedbacks. Like they'll like let you come in, but it's all like, I mean, who knows what kind of restrictions they put on people that have feedbacks. I don't know because I didn't go in, but I don't. I don't know. I don't. So I finally I called this other place, which were midwives only. And they were really supportive of VBACs. And so I went into those appointments, and it was like night and day. I mean, they're just like, you know, they're there for you. They will talk with you and just, like, answer any questions you had. They had no worries about me having, like, doing a VBAC. It was – and when I told them some of my C-section story, they were like, oh, my gosh, like, I can't believe, like, that happened. You know, like, they were were really, like – you know, I could tell that they felt the same way I did, which I really feel like it was unnecessary C-section that I had, which is really upsetting because it's like, you know, it's just, it changes your life. So anyways, I'm going to fast forward to her birth, which was a lot different. And I would say better, but it was definitely, it was really hard. So I had another uncomplicated pregnancy and basically on Sunday night, August 4th, this was, my due date was August, uh, August 9th. I was 39 weeks, three days, and about, well, pretty much all day that day, I'd been having, like, Braxton Hicks contractions, but then, like, later that night, they really started to pick up, and so when I got home, I kind of was like, you know, these contractions are coming really close together, and I was like, maybe I should be tidying them, so... I started timing them, and they were coming, like, every five minutes, but they weren't painful, and that was, like, around 7 o'clock, and then it was so weird. It was, like, after I started timing them for, like, an hour, it was, like, things started to change really quickly, and they started becoming definitely noticeable. Like, they were uncomfortable. I mean, they were not, like, really painful, but with considering, like, with my first pregnant, like, with Timothy, like, the contractions were so mild throughout. I never really had any painful contractions with him that these ones were like actually like kind of hurt a little bit. And so this was at 1030 Sunday night. And so I called um, my in-laws mate to come down because we thought things were going to pick up really quickly. Well, I pretty much went throughout the night with having these contractions. Like they were about 40 seconds long and they were coming every five minutes. And I let my midwives know and stuff. They just, to kind of keep them updated and so eight o'clock that morning I kind of like texted them I was like hey I'm still having contractions they're coming every five minutes they're about 40 seconds but I was like they're not really like they're not coming closer together and they're not like getting stronger you know what I'm saying like so I knew it wasn't like an active labor or anything but it was really weird because I was having a lot of contractions and they were pretty consistent. And so, and I hadn't gotten much sleep because they weren't really, I didn't really feel like I could sleep through them. And I did try taking a bath and that didn't really stop them. And so, so that's kind of where I kind of felt like labor like started for me that night. I, they were getting really uncomfortable. And so I told her, I was like, I want to get checked because I hadn't had a cervical check. And I was like, I don't know what's going on, but I was like, I'm like hurting. And so, so I went in to get checked and she, she basically said I was at a two, but I was like, I stretched to a three or four 
my cervix was soft and stretchy. And so I went home. So I went ahead and went home. She did meet me at the hospital, but I went ahead and went home because I didn't want to be at the hospital forever. So I told her that I'd just go home and labor, but it was like about a 30 minute ride to the hospital. And I had like really painful contractions, like all the way there. And then my husband got lost all the way back home. And so not like lost, lost, but it was like a 45 minute trip back home. It was, I don't know. We went, we took like the long route and I was like, it's weird how like when you get to the hospital, your contractions kind of slow down. And then when you leave, it's like they really start to ramp back up. So like that night before I left, I remember I had a really painful contraction before I got in the car. And it was like, I think I scared this like kid outside because I started Mm -hmm. bawling my eyes out because I was just in so much pain. Like he was probably like 20 years old. I was like, he's probably never going to want to have kids now because I probably just scared him because he probably thinks my husband beats me or something. It was was kind of funny, but it wasn't because I was in a lot of pain. So we got back home and, you know, the midwife had suggested the night before to take some Benadryl, but I didn't because I was worried that I was going to take it and then things were going to start picking up and then I was going to be sleepy. So this time I went home and I took Benadryl because I was like, I need to get some rest because I was so tired because I'd just been up so long and I'd been having these contractions and I felt like I wasn't going anywhere. Like I felt like I wasn't like dilating. And so it was really frustrating. So I went home, I took a bath, I took some Benadryl and then I slept for like three hours and then I got back up and I took another bath, which they, that really helped, but it was just like these contractions just were like coming and coming and coming. But it was, like, the same thing. Like, they were coming, like, some of them were coming closer together, like, three to two minutes. And some of them were, like, really, really strong. But others of them weren't as strong. And sometimes it would go, like, five minutes or six minutes. So they were very, like, irregular. But some of them, I mean, it was just, like, I don't know. It just felt like you were just constantly, like, in pain, though. And so I went, like, all day Tuesday with these contractions and finally my husband decided to go ahead and go into work and so at like seven o'clock that night I finally called him and I was like I don't know what's going on but I was like these contractions are like they are so painful and I was like I think I need to go to the hospital I, I want to go to the hospital right now so he came home we got ready I told the midwife that I was coming in and we left at like eight thirty or something and then um, I got there, she checked me, and she was like, oh, she was like, yeah, you're at, like, a 5-6. And I was like, thank goodness. I was like, because I was, like, beginning to wonder what was going on. And so once I got there, that's when things started getting a lot better. So, like, I feel like the hardest part was everything that was before this. So, well, kind of. I mean, because it did get really intense after. So, so once I, like, got in the jacuzzi and stuff, like, that's like when the moment when I was just like, ah, oh, this is so good. And then they started to really ramp up again. And I was like, I got to get out of this tub because I was like, whoa, like these are really, really like strong contractions. And so I got out because at that point I felt like the water was like almost not helping anymore. And so once I got out, I got on a birth ball in the room and they I mean, they were just, like, so strong. And so I bounced in the birth ball for a little bit, and I walked around. And then I was kind of like, I think I want to get, like, back in the shower because the water helped so much. Like, that was, like, the only thing. I was just, like, craving 
just water. <laughs> and so I only really got out the first time because it was kind of like it kind of got hot too. And so she was like, well, let me check you again before before you go. And that was another thing is whenever I first came in, she said my water bag was bulging, but it still hadn't broke. So then this time, and it felt like it was kind of leaking. And they actually did test it whenever I was bouncing around the exercise ball. And they said it tested positive. It was so weird for amniotic fluid. But then she checked me and she said my, she said I was an eight, was at an eight and that my water bag was still bulging. And so she asked me if I wanted her to break it. And I was like, really like hesitant because of everything that happened with my first birth. I was like, I don't want like any interventions mm-hmm. at all. And so yeah. I told her, I was like, um, I was like, I don't know because I was just like, I know with that last time, like just everything went so poorly. And I know too, that the water bag like protects the fetus or the baby from like getting like all those pressures all that pressure from the contractions and so I was worried too that like if she did that that it might cause the baby to go into stress or something and so I was like well let me hold off I was like I kind of want to get in the shower first and so she was fine with that she was like really awesome like she never I asked my birth plan I asked her not to ask me if I wanted any medication because I you know I didn't want anybody to ask and so she never did, and I'm really glad she didn't because there was definitely a lot of times where I was thinking that I wanted some, and I'm glad that I didn't because that really wasn't what I wanted, and I was glad, like, afterwards that I didn't do something like that because I think I would have, I just would have regretted it, especially if something would have, if it would have resulted in another C-section or something like that, which I know that that's not always the case that something like that will happen, mm-hmm. but I'm just like... I was so hesitant about it because of just, like I said, because of everything that happened the last time, I was just like, I really want to do this, like, unmedicated and just, which is what I wanted with the first one, too, but obviously that didn't happen. So, anyway, so I got back in the shower, and I was in there for about an hour, and my water still hadn't broken, and so I got out of there, and um, I was like, okay, go ahead and break my water because I was like... I've been at, I think I'd been at eight for, well, probably about an hour. And so I was just like, I'm, you know, I'm like, maybe this will help speed things up. Plus, like, I had been having contractions for so, like, so many days. And I had, like, maybe six hours of sleep. And so I was, like, really, really tired. And, which I felt like me being so tired was almost making it more painful, if that makes sense. So (laughs) I was just like, yeah, I was just exhausted. So she broke my water. And, um, she said that I was at like a nine and I told her like, I wanted to lay down and I wanted to peanut ball because I was so tired. I was like, I think in the back of my mind, I was hoping I was going to be able to like fall asleep, even though I was having like really intense contractions, which I knew was like, going to be like impossible. But what's funny about it is I, so I got the peanut ball and I was like in so much pain. It was so terrible, but there was a part where I really think that it was like, I don't know how long it was, but it felt like 10 minutes. And I don't think it was really that long. I think it was just so peaceful because like these contractions had been coming like back to back mm-hmm. that I kind of fell asleep a little bit. And it was like, I didn't have like, I actually got like a little bit of a break. And I think this may have been like in between like, you know how they say sometimes like, you'll have a little break before you you start pushing? 
I think that was kind of like what my body did because mm-hmm. after that, the next contraction that came was like the worst pain in my whole life. And I just like lifted my leg up and I was like, I need this peanut ball out from underneath my leg. And I was like, I'm just going to start pushing. I was like, I don't even care. Like, I don't care to know like how many centimeters dilated I am. I'm like, I have to push right now. And it didn't like, I don't know, to me, it didn't feel like the pushing urge that people say, and maybe that it just feels differently for different people. But I just knew that I had to push because I was in so much pain that I couldn't, I just had to get the baby out. I was like, this baby has to come out like right now because I'm so tired (laughs) of contractions. I'm tired of all this pain. I was just like, I have to get this baby out. And so, cause I thought I was going to be like really calm and like be able to really handle these contractions. And I think for the most part, like I was able to breathe through quite a few of them. But once I got to about an eight, like I really started to lose it. Like I, which my midwife was like, Oh, you did so great. And I was like, I'm sure you're just saying that just to be nice. But anyway, so I started pushing and then I guess she said that I only pushed for like 45 minutes, which was like great. But um, there was a couple of times where like when I was like pushing that, like, I was just like, Oh my gosh. I'm like, I'm just so tired. Like I really wanted to quit. (laughs) quit. Like I just was like, I'm just so tired of pushing. I'm like, isn't she out yet? You know? And so when I didn't know she was a she, because I, again, we didn't, we didn't know the tender. So it was really, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And so she was like, she was like, yeah, she's like, touch, you know, touch, touch the head, touch the head. And so I got to do that. And I thought that was awesome. And it was really funny because like everybody talked about like the ring of fire and I don't know, I really didn't feel that ring of fire because these contractions were so mean that I was just like, that's all I can remember. Like, I don't even remember feeling any pain really down there except for I did tear a little bit and she ended up stitching me. But it was really relatively small compared to how big she was because once I pushed her out, they they threw her up on top of me and I was like, oh my gosh, this baby is so big because <laughs> my son was only seven pounds, nine ounces. So, like, she was, like, a nine-pound baby, and I was, like, oh, my gosh. I was, like, wow. I'm, like, why is she so big? Because me and my husband aren't very big people. So, I was, like, I don't know how, like, I just feel, like, sometimes I'm, like, I don't know how I had a nine-pound baby. Like, it's just, I don't know. I just didn't imagine me ever having that big of a baby. (laughs) So, anyways, and me and my husband were, like, uh, what is it? Is it a girl or a boy? And I'm, like, opening up her legs to, like, see and. I'm just like, I think it's a girl. <laughs> I'm like, I was so surprised. I couldn't, I just was so surprised it was a girl. And anyways, that, that birth was really healing and it was really great to be able to do a V-back. But I was really tired. I do feel like to the extent, like for anybody that went through that long of a labor and had a birth, like, and especially like a V-back, because I feel like you know, I thought I was going to be felt really empowered afterwards. And I think like now when I think back about it, I get really excited that I did it. But at the time, I really felt like that I survived that labor instead of being like victorious over it, because I was just so exhausted. But I'm really glad that it didn't end up in a C-section. And it, it was everything that I wanted. You know, even though it was different than I had imagined it would be, mm-hmm. um, I thought, like, I was going to be all bliss and it was going to be, like, this peaceful birth. It was 
everything that I wanted. So there was no regrets, you know, even with, I mean, me having her break my water was the only thing that I didn't really intend to do, but I don't even regret doing that because I think that that helped speed things up a little bit. And I think I really needed that extra little speed up because I was just so tired and I was ready for it to be done. But yeah, you know, you make a really good point. Oh, sorry. (laughs) You make a really good point there. And I tell, I've told my clients this a lot lately where, um, you know, we have this end goal of VBAC or vaginal birth or, you know, not everyone, not every one of my clients is a VBAC, but a lot of them are, um, or like a different birth experience than last time or, you know, whatever, xyz and um you have this vision of how your birth's going to go but sometimes things happen that cause you to have to kind of recreate your path to get to the end goal i really like um on dr sue's podcast i was listening to today and he talked about like the opening scene of the movie i think it's ants or a bug's life i don't remember which one but like the ants are all marching in line with their food to their to their whatever it's called whatever their anthill I guess mm-hmm. you know the they're all queen yeah so they're all marching in line with the food over their head like they do you know the ants all get in a line and like a leaf falls in the middle of the line a leaf does and then all the ants that were behind the leaf start freaking out they're like oh my gosh there's a leaf in the way what are we supposed to do right now yes I actually and, can like picture yeah, that scene <laughs> then, yeah and then and then one of the ants stops and says calm down. All we have to do is go around the leaf. And sometimes labor's <laughs> like that. You know, like you have yeah. to go around the, the leaf sometimes. And sometimes it's a really sucky leaf or a really big one or a really long one. <laughs> and you have to divert a little bit to get to the end goal. But um, I, I am glad that you got your V back. And I'm so glad you pushed out a nine pound baby. And Megan is going to give us a little bit of tips about how to get that big baby out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So... Really, position is just such a big, important factor. And a lot of the times, especially if it's not someone, you know, on the team that's like been trained in knowing and recognizing the position of the baby, then it can make it harder. So really just going with your body and really... So the other day at the conference, we went to the evidence-based birth. It was the other day now, but... We attended in September of 2019 the evidence-based birth conference, and we talked about getting the baby in the pelvis. And I just, I want to touch a little bit on what she talked about. Her name was Brittany, and she was amazing. And she talked about getting the baby into the pelvis and getting the baby out. And she talked about in the early stages of labor, like when we're trying to get baby into the pelvis, we want the top of the pelvis open. It's not like really what we're paying attention to the bottom of the pelvis. It's the the opening of the top of the pelvis. And so things need to be turned out. So if you think about your knees being turned out. So in your first birth, you mentioned how you wanted to bypass Pitocin at first, and you wanted to get on that exercise ball. And that is an amazing thing and position that you can do even just during pregnancy to help that baby get more engaged. So sit down, open your hips, turn out your knees, and and really rock and figure eight and let that pelvis bring that baby down. And then when it becomes more an active labor, you actually want to turn your knees in which kind of sounds crazy, right? That sounds like really weird. But that's what opens the bottom of your pelvis. So if you're sitting or standing or whatever you're doing, probably sit and you'll, you can feel it. Turn out and you can feel your sits bones kind of close and come in. And then turn your knees in and you can feel your sits bones turn out, which is what's going to let baby out. So 
I just think that is an amazing tool to think about. And I've done that. I actually went to a birth right after that at conference and experienced that. And we really tried to get that baby engaged. And we did those things and it worked and like two centimeters every single time, like down, the baby was coming down, mm-hmm. you know, and then there's tons of positions. You mentioned the peanut ball, really opening those hips and, and letting the baby come down. I mean, and then there's kind of crazy and it really looks crazy when you do it and julie just did this the other day and had an amazing result with her client it honestly saved this client from a cesarean but it's called Walters, and you can you can do this and you can find all these things on spinning babies and we always recommend spinningbabies.com. so go check them out um there are tons of things that we can do to get bigger babies or poor positioned babies out of these pelvises. So um, we also have a blog all about how to get that big baby out of your vagina. And yes, that's that's exactly what it's (laughs) called is how to get that big baby out of your vagina. So go check it out. It's at the vbacklink.com slash blog. We've got oodles and oodles of blogs there for you. Yes, we do. (laughs) Um, So check them all out and let us know what you think. And yeah, and Brittany, thank you so much for sharing your stories. They were wonderful. I'm so glad that you had the amazing outcome that you did and you had the support and and that you followed your intuition leading up, you know, when you had that midwife group say, oh, we'll let you try. And they give you that weird feeling. You know, a lot of people think, oh, midwives, like definitely amazing. The midwives can't be bad. But you know what? Not all midwives are midwives and some midwives are medwives. Mm-hmm. And it's important to really understand who your providers are and uh, make sure that they're supporting you. So congratulations. Yep. Well, thank you guys so much for letting me share. Well, thank, thank you. you. Hey, if you have a chance, head over to our Instagram and our Facebook pages. Find Brittany's podcast episode image. We're posting it today. Um, and let us know in the comments how big your babies were. My C-section baby that they told me my pelvis was too small was 4 pounds, 10 ounces. Mm-hmm. And my biggest baby was 8 pounds and 12 ounces. And so while 8 pounds, 12 ounces isn't necessarily big... It's like on the bigger end and definitely a lot bigger than a four pound, 10 ounce baby. (laughs) So let us know how big your C-section babies were, how big your V-back babies were. And if you haven't had either one, just tell us how big your babies are because we want all these birthing givers all over the world to see how big of babies can actually come out of vaginas. Thanks so much, Brittany, for your time. Um, We really enjoyed your story. Thank you. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to the vbacklink.com slash share and submit your story. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.